everybody welcome back to another episode of two minute drill brought to you by deep dive sport i'm your host today brian i'm joined by my friends david and john how's it going guys it's going good how about yourself good good glad to be here all right so uh today's topics we're going to be talking a little bit about big news of the week which is Kyler murray getting his contract signed we're also going to be talking a little bit about all the uniforms being released over the week and then we're going to be talking about big men making a couple of just you know unusual comments so we'll get started with uh, Kyler Murray. So we talked about this last week, and of course I was wrong about it. I thought that they were going to wait towards the end of the season to, you know, iron out something. But no, they gave him a $230 million contract, 160 of which is guaranteed, and it's good through 2028. A little odd on there, though, is the fact that requiring him to get four hours film study per week, which I don't think I've ever seen that on an NFL contract. No, I never heard of that either. So I'm going to start with uh, just, you know, here I, your opinion on the contract. Go ahead and start with John. Well, you know, um, I think he's definitely worth the money. I find it weird. I, I don't find it weird that, he, you know, he's to have like extra hours of film study. I find I've never heard of that either. Yeah, I think he's worth the money. I, um, uh, you know, he's up your franchise quarterback. You need to keep him for as long as you possibly can. It's hard because of the whole salary cap. So that's my take on it. Okay. Uh, what do you think, David? So I think it. I think it's definitely a lot sooner than a lot of us were expecting. Because I think it's kind of like ironic timing where we just were like, hey, these guys don't have contracts. And then like a week later, one of them gets a contract because we were talking about both Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray because they're both very similar quarterbacks in terms of kind of like play style, because they're both mobile quarterbacks at the very least. And so for starters, that's one. In terms of Lamar Jackson, I think that this kind of helps his case. Not in the sense that he needs to work on film more or less, because I think he does that quite often, and his style of play definitely matches what he probably deserves. Yeah, I mean, I at least for the Kyle Murray contract, I'm not sold that he's worth that much money, but I am glad you brought up Lamar Jackson because uh, I just want to get your guys' opinion on how this affects his contract talks because now he's like the big question mark on, you know, unsigned quarterbacks, and what do you guys think he's worth? So uh, what are you thinking, John? Yeah, I think he's probably worth more than Kyle Murray, to be honest with you. He was an MVP I'd really, what I really like to see, uh, have them race, see who's faster, but, you know, they both have similar styles of play. My biggest thing is what I think is more bizarre than signing Kyle Murray for that much money is why was Deshaun Watson signed for so much money when he might not even play for their first six games to a season? So I, I'm more up on the fence with that than I am with the whole Murray signing. I think Murray deserves it. Um, obviously, you know, you want to keep your franchise quarterback for as long as you possibly can because, you know, they're the most important piece. Uh, but another thing I, I like to po- point out is, yes, I do a- a- agree and believe that the quarterback is the most significant position. But although I think a lot of teams, what they do is they invest so much money in their quarterback, but they don't have enough money 
to invest other elements around their whole game, you know, offensive line and things for players for them to throw to. So that's, I guess, the only real, I don't want to say it's an issue, but maybe a, a, a drawback with, with spending so much money on a franchise quarterback. If you spend 70% of the salary cap on your quarterback, I'm not saying that's what they did. I'm just saying it's just an example. Then, you know, the other guys – are, you know they're going to want their money too. The offensive line's going to want their money. The the weapons that the quarterback throws to is going to want their money. Their cornerback is a high value position. He's going to want his money. So, so yeah, I mean, yeah, sign the quarterback. You know, keep your franchise quarterback, but at the same time, you got to have enough money to have the stuff built around that player to really make a make a run and you know win a Super Bowl. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I definitely agree with the whole. You know, I, it feels like we're in a you know, race to see which quarterback's going to get paid the most. And it's rapidly getting to the point where teams are going to eventually start really struggling to, you know, pay the quarterback while building a, you know, effective team. What are your thoughts, David? Well, I definitely agree with Brian's issue, not Brian, sorry, John's issues, because <laughs> they're an extremely fair point. And I think that's why we consider – Tom Brady to be the greatest quarterback of all time is because he he essentially took team friendly deals in order to get the either the offensive line that he needs or a defense that he needs or pretty much any wide receiver that he could get. So I think that yes, the quarterback is one of the most important pieces on a team, but if you have a good quarterback and not a very good line, there's not that many Joe Burrows out there that can deal with a a crappy line and still go to the Super Bowl. So that formula is not, you know, I think it's not going to last that long. Yeah, I I agree. I'm just curious about how many teams are going to be able to do this, you know. Not many. Yeah. Well, you well, you have you have to look at the 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 um the good organizations. The Steelers do this. The Patriots are is probably the best known for this. You know, you got you got to capitalize on your late round picks. Yes, you need the quarterback, but I mean, if you go if you go into a draft, you go into free agents, and you sign these either high draft picks or these you know big free agents in the off season, and they take up all your salary cap. You just can't win because the NFL has a hard cap. But if you're able, like, say, sign a receiver that's a six-round pick, and then let him develop and become a good player, and eventually he's going to want his money, so you say, okay, I'll trade him or I'll release him. He goes somewhere else. Then the next draft, you sign another six-round receiver, and you go through that transition over and over and over again. And I think, you know, when that's just not just receivers, but any position on the NFL, and it's, you know, it's the next man up in the NFL. So, and I think, you know, the Patriots, and I've mentioned the Pittsburgh Steelers, I think they, they do this too. They, they rotate their players. They rotate through the offensive line. And that's how not only are they able to have good players and remain under the cap, but they're able to be successful. You know, if you, if you, like I said, if you sign up, if you draft high in the, you know, first round, you know, most of those players are going to want to be paid. So to be, to be a good organization, the NFL, you have to have effective rotation of your talent. 
because you cannot keep your all, all your players. This is not the Major League Baseball where you're the Yankees and you could pay $200 million a year and keep all your good players. The salary cap was put in to basically deny dynasties. And if you look at the successful teams like the Patriots, the Steelers, um, I mean, I'm drawing on a blank who else, but those kind of teams, the way they, 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 they win multiple Super Bowls and you go, well, how, how are they able to win multiple Super Bowls or in the Patriots situation be a dynasty? It's because they're able to effectively rotate those, their, those good players and, and remain under the cap. But, you know, a lot of it, you know, it's also coaching, too. Yeah, so probably the you know, biggest part of that entire thing. I'd also put a little bit on just, you know, biz like the Patriots and the Steelers in the past are that te- are those teams that have a winning culture that really good players are willing to sign cheaper deals because they want to play with that team. They want know that that's a good, you know, chance for them to get a ring. So, you know, that will play a big role with, you know, just staying under the seller cap is you have high-end talent wanting to pit or play for you for less money. And they, but, they don't change their quarterback or coach every year either. That doesn't help. Very or that good. does help that they don't do that. And yeah, as Browns fans, we know that pain. But, yeah. <laughs> very but, much uh, Hopefully we'll hear something relatively soon about Lamar Jackson because, I mean, that's going to be really interesting to see what type of deal they work out with him, if they can work out a deal with him. But uh, let's move on to a little bit more of a, you know, lighthearted topic. It's that super special time in the offseason where all the teams are releasing, you know, alternative uniforms, new uniforms, you know, um, what's the right word? Uh, Throwback? Yeah, throwback uniforms. And just give you a couple examples, the Bengals, you know, they got the white and black this year. Carolina or several teams have just, you know, black alternative helmets this year. The Texans have a red alternative helmet. The Patriots have a throwback uniform coming back. Uh, so I just want to get your guys' opinion. What is your favorite, you know, new uniform going into this year? I, I'll kind of start this off. I'm looking at the helmets right at the moment. In terms of, like, new alternate helmets, I really like that Bengals white and black one that they got. That is – that's sick. I like that a lot. And I then, know, and then I got to give it to the Texans because that's actually not bad. Not bad color scheme. Not bad. Like, it fits well with their logo. And then I do appreciate the Giants and the Patriots' new, like, throwbacks. What about you, John? I'm looking at it now. I like Dallas. I think Dallas is um, a nice, you know, change uniform. The Jets looks pretty sweet, too. The black on the, the, black on the kind of like the green on top of the black right there, fits very well yeah i would i would agree yeah i love just you know black uniforms it just makes everything look super good i mean i as much as i hate to say it i think the white bangles one is the best i'm really jealous of that and then uh it's a close second is uh carolina with the black helmet just you know the black and blue really works for them uh, I, I tell you what I don't like. I don't like the, I don't like the, I not the Browns. I don't like the bears. Yeah. It's like all, it's like all orange. And then I, I gotta disagree. I do not like the Texans. It's like too much red or something. Yeah. That, that to me just kind of fits with its logo. So that's kind of where I was going with that one. Oh, okay. I'm not the biggest fan of the throwback uniforms. I don't know why it's just, it doesn't do it for me, but 
if you guys had to pick one uniform in the NFL that you would, uh, you know, either, you know, make a new alternative or just a new uniform in general, which one would you guys pick? We'll start with John. I'm going to go with the Browns. I'm not sure what I would change it to. Maybe have like, um, I don't know. I mean, maybe some brown pants. What they had before this last couple of years, they had like all, it was like two orange or something. I'd have to look it up, but that's probably what I would change. Um, it's another one I would change. Mm, I don't know. What would you guys do? What about you, David? Honestly, I could probably see Buffalo maybe doing something new. And then maybe the Denver Broncos doing something new. I don't know exactly how I would do it for them. I'm just, I just think that they're probably the two teams that would probably need something new, something different. Because in reality, they haven't really changed, like, like John with the Browns, they haven't really changed a whole lot. It's like you can only do so much with brown, orange, and white. Like there's already another team in Ohio that does that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the number one for me would be the Browns, which I I mean, I saw a concept online where they put like a bulldog's face on the helmet, which looked really nice. So I would love for them to do something like that. The other one that I would count like something to be done with is the Lions, just because I think if they added – you know, a new logo, darker colors, maybe a lot more black in there. I think that just looked really nice. Yeah, they're they're another team that would need a good like color change or color palette change. I agree. So let's move on to a little bit more of a serious topic now, which I mean, more just an opinion on your guys. Uh, so Ben Rossberger, he uh, made a comment during an interview. Basically, just I'm going to quote what he said. Uh, He said, I feel like the game has changed. I feel like the people have changed in a sense. Maybe it's because I got spoiled when I came in. The team was so important. It was all about the team. Now it's about me and this and that and the other. So uh, what do you guys take on what he said? To me, it kind of was felt like him calling out players for being a little bit more, you know, greedy, self-centered, you know, taking these big contracts and, you know, really strapping teams on the cap. So we'll start with David on this. I think that from his perspective, I think he's right in a sense because you're talking about two different generations. You have to realize that Ben Roethlisberger has been in the league or was in the league for almost 20 years. So, of course, the players and what they think is important to a team is going to be completely different now than it was 20 years ago when he joined the league. And the same thing can be said from when he joined the league and 20 years before him. So it's a generational thing. And I think that it's not necessarily that they're being selfish and less team-oriented. I think that they're just – that's how their generation grew up, and that's their their definition of team-oriented is. And at the end of the day, you have to somewhat think of yourself, and almost anyone in that position would call it greed, self selfishness so i think it's just a matter of generational things yeah what uh what do you think john you know i i look at it both ways um i mean they they do but they put all, the, the players they put a lot in their body both taking care of their body eating healthy working out their body um and then just getting hit and injured and hurt so there's one side of that that you know may maybe they you know deserve that kind of money but at the same time, you know, I, I, I kind of touched on this before. Let's say you have a quarterback or a high, you know, a high, high-rated player making most of the money that can cause 
some division in the locker room because it might be looked at as being selfish. It's all about me and not about the team. So I, I look at it in those two ways. I kind of look at it like, uh, I mean, we've seen it this year with um, Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, you know, players really pushing for contra- longer contracts, more money, and it does end up kind of hurting the team. I mean, the Packers basically had to decide, are we going to keep Rodgers? Are we going to keep Devontae Adams? So they got rid of Devontae. And, I mean, I feel like with Big Ben's generation, it was a lot more team-focused. People were willing to, you know, take pay cuts so that the team can afford to give them talent on the field to help them succeed. And then uh, either of you guys got anything else for that one? I just have to agree with the generational thing, so. All right, then we're going to move on to the final topic for tonight, which is our division um, record prediction. Tonight we got the AFC East, which is the Bills, Patriots, Dolphins, and the lowly Jets. So uh, just like usual, just start with basically who you think is going to finish last and then work your way to who you think is going to win the division. And uh, I'll start with uh, John on this. Well, I – I still think the Bills are to beat to win the – I think the Bills are going to win that division. I got to put eight, eight Patriots at second. I think the Patriots make the playoffs as like a wild card. I think the, the Dolphins go eight and eight, maybe seven and ten. I think they'll be around – oh, not eight and eight because there's no such thing. Eight and nine or seven and ten, maybe nine and eight. I think they could possibly push to make the playoffs. I think they're going to be more around 500. And I, I think the Jets are probably going to be at the bottom of the division. What are you thinking, uh, David? For me, it was difficult because it it's a matter of splitting hairs because I think that the division as a whole improved a massive ton because you've got Tyreek Hill going to the Dolphins. Zach Wilson's finally getting somewhat something that's actually being built around him, like an offensive line, maybe a couple of wide receivers, stuff like that. And then you've got the Patriots and the Bills, who the Bills still have a really good core from last season. They they re-signed Stefan Diggs. And the Patriots, we mentioned it all last season that Mac Jones from that draft class for the quarterbacks was in the best position possible out of all those quarterbacks. He was basically given the, the keys to a Ferrari. He just didn't need to crash it, as we put it. And so and he definitely showed that to the to the world last year. So for me, while I didn't give a lot of compliments to the Jets, I do think that they're going to go last because you can add all these pieces and if the coaching staff isn't going to hold up, then you never know. And the same thing can go for the Dolphins because that can go either way. All these pieces can be great, but if the coaching staff isn't there, then it's all for naught and everything's a waste. So at the end of the day, I think that's a true like split splitting hairs because we don't know how the coaching staff is going to go. Now, in terms of the Bills and Patriots, I think that at the end of the day, I think the Bills will come first, but you could definitely make a strong argument for the Patriots, who at at this moment I'd say would go second. Yeah, I agree. I, I actually got the exact same setup for mine. Was I mean I don't think there's any doubt the Jets are finishing last in the division. I think they'll probably get four or five wins by the end of the season. Dolphins, even though there's not really a 500 anymore, I think they'll either finish, you know, just above or below 500. I mean, they're improving, but I don't think they're going to come out swinging like the Bengals did last year. 
could be completely wrong. And then, yeah, the Bills, Patriots, I mean, it could swap either way. The reason why I got the Bills winning the division and the Patriots coming second is more just down to scheduling. I mean, uh, the Bills, they play the Rams, the Packers, and the Chiefs, where the Patriots, they have to play the Raiders, who, you know, they just got new weapons. They play the Cardinals, the Packers, and then the Bengals, which, you know, is looking like a very scary team this year. So, I think it's just the Patriots have a little bit of a harder schedule than the Bills right now. So that's the main reason why I got the Bills winning. Yeah, for once, we actually got all uh, vision the same for the most part. Yeah. It's probably the one time we'll uh, we'll agree on everything. I mean, I feel bad, but I feel like the AFC East is kind of one of the more boring divisions just because it's all kind of spread out a little bit. I wouldn't say boring. I'd probably give that to the NFC Kind of like East or South or whatever it is. Whatever the Washington, Dallas are in. I mean, that one's boring, but at least you get to watch them fail a lot. Like, every year. It's kind right. of just how bad things get. That that division is basically the meme of the NFL. <laughs> oh, definitely. Like, that's the division where every other team wishes they could be in, just because it's almost a guaranteed division title. Mm-hmm. All right, but if uh, you guys don't have anything else, uh, thanks for joining me tonight. This has been Two Minute Drill. Have a good night, everybody. Thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of Two Minute Drill. And make sure to follow the show on Instagram at Two Minute Drill Podcast, D-D-S. Don't forget to follow deep.dive.sports on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can listen to all of our shows wherever you get your podcasts. Also, comment on all our posts and episodes. We would love to hear what you think about the show and what we talk about each week. And as always, two-minute drill listeners, until next time.